You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel and Lancaster Baptist Church. Today's podcast is on helping and mentoring new Christian ladies with Nicole Christensen. Mrs. Christensen assists Mrs. Chapel with the ladies' ministry at Lancaster Baptist Church and is the wife of Tim Christensen, one of the assistant pastors. Pastor Chapel has often said salvation is a miracle of a moment, but spiritual growth is a process of a lifetime. And of course, I think we'd all agree none of us have arrived. We are all, even ourselves, are still on that process of growing and and trying to become more like Christ. And what we're trying to do with the ladies in our church as we think of those brand new Christian ladies is to help and encourage them to develop their own spiritual walk, to start spiritual habits in their life. And this is new for them. Some of us maybe grew up in a Christian home and, and we can take for granted some of those things and just think everyone knows you know, what they're supposed to do, but really they don't. And this is brand new for them, and we want to help them, and they have to be taught and shown. And I don't know about you, when something is explained to me, I love when they show me how to do it. Like you think of cooking or baking, someone gives me a good recipe, but if I can actually watch them do it or something like that, then I get it. Oh, I know what you mean now. And so with the ladies in our church, that's what we have to do is help teach and show them. God has ordained through human relationships is how we learn about him. And he set it up to be that way, that it's those human relationships that help us as we grow in our Christian walk. So it begins with a relationship. And as you work with the ladies in your church, you really need to get to know them and to get, let them get to know you. And truly, uh, pastors oft, often said that people don't, know how, don't care how much you know until they first know how much you care. And these ladies need to know that we care about them and love them. Philippians 4.9 says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall, shall be with you. And that's a pretty bold statement to say. He's kind of putting himself out there. Those things that you've seen in me and you've learned from me, do those things. And we want to live the kind of life that we can say that as well. So as we work with ladies, they require instruction. They require modeling. We can't try to teach something that we don't do ourselves or that we're not willing to do. And they also require involvement, getting involved with them. Galatians 4.19, and that's kind of my text verse for this lesson. Is there anyone else that needs a lesson? A couple more over here. Oh, Mrs. Kingsbury, you still need one over there, too? Galatians 4.19 says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. And our pastor preached from this passage recently, and it was such an encouragement to me, even thinking of this lesson. And, you know, Paul was saying, my little children, so he had a relationship with the people in this church of whom I travail in birth again. A lot of us in here have probably given birth before to a child, and he's saying just as much labor as it takes to birth them into God's family, it's that much labor and travail to help them see them grow. It says, until Christ be formed in you. And, you know, when you're excited about having a baby, there's that anticipation and preparation. You're setting up the room. You're getting things and trying to get ready. And then, of course, the birthing process, that's a lot of work and a lot of um, travail and pain and 
And then, of course, that's over. But the real work as a mom begins after they've been born. And, of course, raising them and nurturing them and taking care of them. Mrs. Kingsbury, did you get one yet? No? Okay. See your mom over there? Okay. So just, just like the Apostle Paul said here, we want to see Christ be formed in the ladies of our church. So number one, we want to help them establish or establishing a walk with the Lord. That's kind of the first thing that we are teaching these brand new Christian ladies is establishing a walk with the Lord. And I think this is really one of the first things we try to teach someone who is a brand new Christian. We want them to develop their own heart for God. And it it seems maybe pretty elementary to us, but it is brand new territory for them. And then, you know, the reason God created the human race was for intimate fellowship. And he wants to establish a personal relationship with each person he has created. And, you know, we all need the Lord's help and direction for every aspect of our life. And we won't know his will unless we spend time with him. And so it's so important for these new Christians to just start in their walk with the Lord. And that walk with the Lord, that grace of God working in their life, is really the only thing that's going to keep them going and growing. If you get a new Christian lady, and they might just love you so much. I mean, if you're the one that led them to the Lord, or maybe you're the one that's starting to help mentor them. Sometimes they want to please you, you know, and they'll do certain things to make you happy or to even just be like you. And and none of that is wrong or anything. But the only thing that's going to really keep them going for year after year is if they're doing it for the Lord. And they have that grace of God working in their life. So it's so very important for them to really establish that walk with the Lord. You know, just like any relationship in life with our family, I don't just say hi to them in the morning and then wait till the next morning and say hi again and never talk to them throughout the day. You know, relationships take a lot of work and a lot of cultivation, and it's the same thing with our relationship with the Lord. It's going to be what we put into it. And so to have that relationship, um, we have to spend time reading our Bible and praying and talking to him, and we want to teach the ladies in our churches how to do that. Some practical applications as you're teaching ladies is to tell them, you know, pick a time. Pick a time that you're going to read your Bible. You set that appointment. Just like ladies, we set lots of appointments in our lives. Pick a time. Pick a place. Maybe that's at their kitchen table, in their dining room, in their bedroom. Tell them they can mark their spot, like anticipating where I'm going to read the next day. My Bible's already there and open, so when I wake up, I'm ready to go. For me, I have to definitely have some coffee if I want to stay alert and and get what I'm reading. And these are just small little things, but really, as you break it down like this and as you're talking to new Christians, it's something feasible. It's something grabbable. They can do this. Um, Have paper and pen. You know, you'll tell them there might be a verse that really stands out to you or you have a question about you want to ask about later. Write it down. Of course, as we think of as they start praying to the Lord, um, to have a prayer list and just tell them to write down, you know, different things that they have in their life. Of course, you know, to pray for their family and, and loved ones and their church and things like that. Of course, you don't have to do all these things, but I'm just giving you a different list. I have a journal that they can write answered prayer and blessings. 
and talk about keeping it a, a Christian for all of us encouraged is to write down those blessings. And they, right away, usually when someone gets saved, they have a family member that they just are so burdened about. Of course, they just got salvation. And they're so excited. And now they're concerned about their mom or their dad or a sibling or a spouse. And tell them to write that down. And when that person gets saved, to record that blessing in their journal. Tell them to make it special. Something to look forward to every day. This is your special time with the Lord. Of course, a a very important thing as you are establishing that walk with the Lord is to attend church faithfully. And of course, with new Christians, we want to stress that you want to be at church. And that's where a lot of growing takes place. I know in my life... um, you know, a lot of things that I've learned have been really sitting under preaching and, and hearing the Bible preached. And as we think of attending church faithfully, of course, the Lord loves the church and um, he gave his life for it. And so we all want to, to love the church and to teach the ladies to love the church. And under all that is, you know, be accountable. Ask them, you know, if they're willing for you to check up and see how they're doing. And a lot of them actually want that. And to just ask them how that time's going and maybe what what they've learned lately or um, if they have a question about something they're reading in their Bible. Some verses to share about having a walk with the Lord is John 15, 4 through 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, it accepted abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. And I think we all know, and sometimes maybe even we need to be reminded that we can't do anything apart from the Lord. Each of us have to abide in the Lord um, to, to keep going on as a Christian, to raise our families for the Lord, to be the right spouse, um, the right mom. And, of course, as we're mentoring new Christian ladies in our church, you know, we're not going to make a spiritual difference in anyone's life if we're not ourselves abiding. You know, new Christians, they tend to look, and it's so funny sometimes I laugh, but I think of our couples class. And as I was writing this lesson, I couldn't help but thinking about a lot of ladies in my own couples class that my husband teaches and, um, you know, they look at you and they, they just think you're super Christian, you know, and they, um, they just think, oh, they must have something special that I don't have. And, and that's not the truth. You know, the truth is how we walk with the Lord and abide with Christ. And it's anything that we do that actually turns out and is good, it's all because of the Lord's power. And that's available to every Christian. And so you teach them, you know, no, you know, we're human too, and, and none of us are perfect. Um, but it's that walk with the Lord that will really make the difference in our lives. Proverbs eight seventeen says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Now, in your notes after this, why these this outline was kind of four pages there is because I included something that um, our associate pastor, Carrie Schmidt suggested, and he actually had this on one of his blogs, but he listed 20 things, and I'm not even going to go through them, but of ways that as you walk with the Lord, things that you can do to keep it fresh and to um, keep it enjoyable. You know, sometimes some of us, we maybe have been walking with the Lord for a long time. We've been a Christian now for a long time, and you can kind of get in a rut, even with your own personal devotions. And um, so he gave, I thought, some great suggestions that may even be a blessing to you. I know as I read them, they were. And then some of these you could share with ladies in your church. So we'll jump to number two, which is learning to trust God. 
as you think of these new Christian ladies, and of course, this is also brand new for them, you want to teach them to have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Lee Robertson said, As we rise to face each new day, we should have faith in God. As the day comes to a close and we review what we have tried to do, again there should be that sense of committing everything to God. Whether in sunshine or rain, it will help us to have these inspired words before us. Have faith in God. Now faith is made up of belief and trust. Now many people believe God, but they don't trust themselves into his keeping and care. So instead they're filled with worry and they're filled with fear. Faith is confidence in God. A new Christian needs to grow in their trust of God. You know, they they took that first big step of faith. They trusted him for their salvation. Now they have to learn to trust him for their everyday life. Instead of giving in to fear or worry, which as ladies, that just comes so naturally. I'm speaking from experience. You know, we, we worry about something right away. We try to figure out how we can solve it. But instead, we have to realize we have a heavenly Father in heaven that can take care of every need that we ever could ever have. And as we teach new ladies in our church, we want to remind them all the time that they have a heavenly Father now, and they need to be told and shown to have faith from faith in God. Worry won't keep it from happening. Worry won't change it. Worry cannot fix it. But why do we spend so much time worrying, though? I don't know. Uh, Fear is the opposite of faith. I like the acrostic I saw for faith once. It said, forsaking all, I trust him. And I don't know how many of you were um, here for the Sunday night message by Dr. Willette, but it was just awesome. And he actually talked a lot about fear in our lives. And he said to have at least 1% more faith than you do have fear. So he wasn't saying that fear in and of itself is a sin, but when we let it hold us back from doing what God wants us to do, we let that faith paralyze us, and we don't do what God wants us to do, then that's when it's sin. And usually anything that's worth doing or taking a risk on, it involves some risk and some fear, but it's always so worth it. You're so glad that after it's over, boy, I'm so glad I took that step of faith. I was so scared to do it, but I'm so very glad I did. Um, in, in our family, we have two children. We have Taylor and McKinley, and they are 12 and 9. And then we have Grant, and he's 14 months, and we were able to adopt Grant. And so talk about, you know, some fear and, and some risk. Of course, you hear all the stories before um, you've ever done anything like the, you know that. And even with our situation with Grant, um, while his birth mom was pregnant with him, there were some red flags that came up, and, and the agency was telling us this is a really high-risk situation. I don't know if, if you want to go further. Um, but we had got to know her, and we really felt, you know, this was God's will. And then some other things came up, and, and someone told us, you know, call these couple lawyers. We weren't using a lawyer, but they said, you know, they'll give you some time on the phone. Just give them a phone call and see what they say. And um, we were up in my husband's office, and we made a couple phone calls, and, and two of them in a row were just discouraging us. I tell all my clients to walk away when it's this, you know, and, and don't do it. And so, um, you know, we just thought, oh, you know, just kind of crying together, but we really think this is what God wants us to do. And so 
you know, we went forward and actually we talked to another lawyer and he was more positive. So we were thankful for that. But, you know, now as I hold Grant and, you know, even this morning and he puts his arm around me in bed and snuggling, I'm so glad we took that risk, you know, and took that step of faith in the Lord that, Lord, you, you know, you showed this is what you want us to do. And, you know, the ladies in our church, sometimes it's a little scary to invest in someone else, you know, especially if you've been hurt before or maybe before it didn't go like you thought and, um, you know, maybe they've even walked away. But it's always worth to keep putting yourself out there and, and letting the Lord use you to touch another person's life. So some practical applications as we try to teach the ladies to have faith in God is just simple things like tell them, talk to God about it first. Usually we tend to tell everyone else our problems before we've actually even prayed about it. So when something comes up and they're just worried about it or fearful, to talk to God about it first and to continue to give it to the Lord. Usually we talk to God about it, but then we kind of snatch it back and we start worrying about it again. So I know for me, I just have to continually keep giving it to the Lord and to ask for his help. Lean on a godly friend. The Christian life was definitely not meant to go through alone. And God definitely developed relationships, and he wants us to lean on each other and to help one another through those hard times. Another practical thing is just to, we kind of said it before, but write down your blessings. And when you're going through that hard time and you're looking at those blessings, it kind of just encourages you. You know, God helped me before in this situation. I know he can help me now in this present one. I think for ladies, a big one is to manage your thought life. I always say, and, and just maybe because of experience, but I think the devil really attacks us in our mind, and he just gets us to think all these crazy thoughts, and we can get so worked up, and really nothing's even happened yet, but we're already so worked up about what could happen. And so as ladies, we really have to manage our thought life. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's a pretty powerful verse, even for each of us. And you are in charge what you think about. And you don't have to be a victim to worry, anxiety, negative thoughts, hurtful memories, all those things we can... Bring those in captivity to the Lord and let him help us and not to dwell and focus on those. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And I know when I've talked to different ladies, you know, and they just will keep going on and on about a situation, you know, I say, you, you can't dwell and focus on that. You know, I mean, it sounds like all day long while they're cleaning, while they're doing their laundry, doing anything, that they just run it over and over through their minds. And I know I've been guilty of that. And we want to put our thoughts on the Lord and ask him to help us. Some verses to share under that is Mark five thirty six. The last part of that verse says, Be not afraid, only believe. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Second Timothy 1.7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I love the verse Psalm 56.3. I quote this a lot, especially when my girls are scared at night. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And there's a little ver- song, but I won't sing. That, that just says that, and I sing it to them at night and tell them, sing it to each other, and my girls share a room. 
But um, I love that verse, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. And that's a great thing, as we might tell our children, that we can tell ladies. You know, I know, you know we don't have the answer for everything that they're going through. And we don't ourselves know maybe how it's going to work out and how God's going to answer this. But we tell them, have trust in God. You know, God will and can take care of this. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And, you know, with with new Christians, um, sometimes that just sounds so simple. You know, I have this this bad thing happening. My husband lost his job. We don't know how we're going to pay our bills. And you're just telling me to trust in God, you know, and and sometimes things in the Christian life really are basic and they're simple. Um, but that is truly what we are supposed to do. Just trust God and give it to him and, and, and prayer. And, um, you just want to teach these new ladies that God can work this out and he can answer it. And you want to be their friend that they can lean on during that time. Number three is realizing they are not their own. They now belong to the Lord. I'm kind of talking here about surrender. And by nature, all of us live for ourselves. You know, we do what comes naturally and easy, what makes us comfortable. Once we are saved, though, that's supposed to change. And out of love for everything that God's done for us, we want to please him. We want to serve him. Um, We want to do what he wants us to do instead of just thinking of ourselves. You start thinking, you know, what would God want me to do in this situation? How would he want me to handle this? God is a holy God, and he loves righteousness. Psalm 11.7 says, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. And we want to live holy, separated lives for him. And as we talk to these new Christians, we want to remember the whole goal is Christ-likeness. It's not about us. It's not, make, it's not about us making you know, them to look just like us or talk just like us. It's all about the Lord. He's the pattern. He's, he's who we all want to become like. And really, this kind of goes along with what Pastor Chapel was preaching about last night. It's, it's not about checking off a list of standards. You know, once, you know, these ladies you're working with, you can check all these things out. Now they're a mature Christian. Well, that's not what it's all about. It's about Christ working in, in their hearts and them growing in the grace of the Lord. I loved his, his statement, standards are not the goal. Jesus is the goal. And, you know, when someone truly is growing in the grace of God, they don't need a list. Um, Their inner man, their inner person is being changed, and that's just going to start evidencing itself outward. So you're focusing truly on their heart for the Lord. So as we work with these new Christians, we want to remember that the whole goal is their heart for the Lord. That's true about our kids. We want to shepherd their heart. We don't want them to just teach them you know, do all these behaviors. We want it to come from a heart that loves Jesus and wants to please him with their lives. And all of us are still on that journey. None of us have arrived in that yet, and we still have areas to grow, and so we don't want to stop growing either. And for this, we really, I mean, the Holy Spirit's work is what enables all of this to happen in our lives and in their lives. Some practical applications is just telling them, allow God to direct each decision they make, whether it's big or small, 
and to think of him throughout the day, what he'd want them to do. How does he feel about what they're doing or what they're thinking about? Living to please him and not themselves. Not reacting in the flesh to a tense moment or situation. You know, apart from the Lord, when something bad happens, you know, our natural tendency is just to react to it and to either retaliate or, or just to get really angry or bitter. And, and um, you know, as I think of a lady that I've been working, at, um, working with, she was just so excited, you know, salvation and being saved and coming to the church. She was just all excited about everything. And her family, her unsaved family, she just had a burden for her, and she just... You know, she just kind of took it to him. You know, this is, you know, um, what I did, and you all need to do it too. And and she just got so hurt and upset when they weren't as excited about it as she was, you know, and and um, kind of got mad and stormed off. And I was like, that's not the way, you know, you want to handle it. And you've got to let the Lord work in their lives. And yes, you can talk to them about it. But, um, you know, that's just kind of our natural tendency. As we realize we're not our own, though, we also want to live holy and pure lives, We do want to be a life that God can use and not a dirty vessel. And when you get saved, you start kind of becoming aware of things maybe that you did before, and all of a sudden you realize, that's not quite right. I don't think, you know, now that I'm saved, God wants me to do those kinds of things. We want to teach them to not try to just be like everybody around them, not to be like the ladies they see in the magazine stands, you know, at the store. Some verses to share is 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Psalm nineteen fourteen. I think this is a wonderful prayer for each of us to say. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Romans twelve two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So number four is we're helping and mentoring the ladies in our church, the new Christians. Number four is living life with joy. And I added this in there just because it, it seems um, nowadays that you, so many women, really men and women, but as I'm thinking of women, they just are so depressed and um, they're negative. They're just critical about everything. And honestly, I can admit I'm that way too much more, more than I should be as well. And God has so much more in, for a Christian's life than to live like that. And as a Christian, you know, we're supposed to just be exuding the, the joy of the Lord and not walk like we're under a dark cloud. Um, now, will trials and heartaches come into a Christian's life? Definitely, yes. And will there be times when we cry and when we're sad and discouraged, even disappointed? Yes, there will be. But should we walk every day around like we're in defeat? No, you know, we're a Christian. We are on the winning side. And right now, it, it might be really tough. Um, but we still have that hope in the Lord. And we want to teach them to walk around with joy and not just to let what's going on around them be what determines if they have joy or not. And and that's easy for all of us, you know, uh, myself included. When things aren't going well, you just don't feel, you know, like maybe being joyful. But that's when you want to get your mind back up on the Lord. And I think some of the things that set us apart as Christians is the way we love each other, 
and the way that we do have joy. Isn't it refreshing to actually run into someone at the store or, you know, at a department store that is actually happy? (laughs) Nowadays, it seems like you check out, they're complaining about their job and their hours and all these things, and they don't even really look up to acknowledge that you're there anymore. And there's something different about someone who has the joy of the Lord on their face. A practical application is just teaching them to spend time with the Lord because he's the one that gives joy. We've said it before, but to write down those blessings and focus on the good things that God's done in your life. I think a big one, and our pastor has said this often, is to serve someone else who's having a hard time. You know, sometimes I can think, oh, this is so hard and it's so rough. And then if you just get your eyes off yourself and you look over, you see someone else that has it a lot harder and is going through something a lot worse than you are. And so maybe take these new Christians to a uh, you know, hospital visit with you or, or to take a meal to someone and, and, and let them get their focus on someone else. And to just memorize verses. Give them verses. And when you're um, having that hard time, that you can quote these verses. And here's a few right here. Philippians 4.4. 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Of course, in Psalm 100, which I think a lot of us are familiar with, it's talk all about make a joyful noise unto the Lord, to serve the Lord with gladness, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That whole chapter is about having the joy of the Lord in our hearts. Proverbs 17:22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And, and that's where we want to focus and meditate on God's goodness in our life. And then lastly, number five, is choosing sharpening influences. You know, as as somebody gets saved, it's not like all the friends that they've ever had in their past now are are sharpening influences for them, and and the places they used to go or what they used to um, participate in is going to help them on their Christian walk. So once they enter in on their walk with the Lord, they need to develop good and healthy relationships with other Christians. And, of course, the church really helps with this, you know, with your adult classes and and just with your church family um, to to develop those healthy relationships. You know, our best friends are here at church. And God will start to do some real incredible things in their life, and they, they need someone to share their walk with. And God, I know for us, God always leads you to people just at the right time to connect with that's helping you, maybe with something that you're going through. And that just helps you to keep on going or you learn something from them. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And I've learned so much from the ladies here in our church. And just, I mean, for so many of them have taught me how to be a wife and, and how to be a mom and, and how to go soul winning and how to be faithful to the Lord and, and how to handle a trial. I mean, so many examples that we've had here at our church. Of course, we think of even just watching Brother Schmidt and Brother Chapel come through their trial and they were just, their life was right then just a huge lesson, just watching them still have the joy of the Lord and continuing to serve and, and, and um, not giving up in their spirit. You know, nearness is likeness. And who we spend time around is who we will be like. And the things that we read and the things that we watch make up the kind of person that we're going to be. So we want to emphasize to them it's so important 
who your closest friends are. Now, it doesn't mean you burn any bridges. Of course, you want to reach your lost family, and you want to reach those lost friends. And truly, when you have someone get saved in your church, that is your best soul winning opportunity because all the people that they know aren't saved. And you can go with them and follow up and go soul winning. You know, in our couples class, my husband will say, you know, write down, sometimes we'll pass out a card and write down maybe there's a family member or a friend that you'd like to go visit together. And I'll go with you to that to that person. And, and that's your best contacts, really, you know, to, um, is when you have someone new come in and get saved at your church. Some practical applications that you want to teach them about is TV. You know, what are they watching on TV? Maybe before they're watching Oprah and soap operas and things like that. Well, that's not going to help them sharpen as they are now a Christian their internet, the music they listen to, movies they watch, entertainment. These are all things for all of us that influence us. Some verses to share. Of course, we already said Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Psalm 1, 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And sometimes as you hear someone get saved, they'll, they'll talk to you and say, you know, I kind of noticed, you know, my friend that's been my friend for a long time, you know, we're not really going the same way anymore. We're not on the same path, you know. Things that now are now important to this new Christian, they're kind of realizing maybe some of the people that they counted close to that's not really important to them. And that's why it's so important to develop those relationships. 1 Corinthians 15.33, we've probably all used this with our children, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And that's just a great thing to have maybe on a card, and that can almost be your checkoff list, you know, is what you're doing is it check off on on that verse. So those are five things, you know, that we want to help and mentor new Christian ladies in our churches in. You know, let me just say to, to the ladies in here, of course, you're the ladies that are desiring to go to help and mentor these new Christians. And sometimes for some of you, maybe this is brand new. Um, You're just kind of starting into this, and it's overwhelming to invest in someone's life. And what if they ask me a question I don't know? Or, or, um, you know, what if I say the wrong thing? I was always just worried I'd say the wrong thing. One time somebody called for counsel. You know, I told you we'd only been married two weeks when we got here, and it was a marriage, someone having a hard time in their marriage, and it was someone we led to the Lord. And and um, she's telling me all these horrible things her husband's doing, and I'm just like, oh, and, you know, like, oh, that's not right. You know, I just was like appalled, you know, that he'd do it. My husband's over there going, you know, <laughs> telling me that, that, you know, don't react that way <laughs> to her. So sometimes it's overwhelming, and, and um, of course, none of us have all the answers. Um, or maybe some of you in here, you've been doing this for a long time, and, and like I said earlier, there. There are those people that maybe have walked away, and it does hurt. You know, someone that you've loved and you prayed for. And, of course, we know it's the Lord's work in their lives, but, but we do get that relationship with them, and we have such a desire to see them grow. And maybe they've just turned their back on it. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't, I don't want to be hurt like that. Or we just kind of get discouraged, and we just 
kind of quit doing it and taking time for people. Um, but I just want to encourage you that to, to keep on going and to keep on investing in them, and it is worth it. And when you look around and you see these people that have been here for years, then maybe the Lord gave you a little part in their life. And it's so worth anything that you would have went through. When I look at Deirdre Lake back here, we both came to the church at the same time 14 years ago. And they were our first couple to go through discipleship with. And um, my husband and I, and of course, we were brand new. It's amazing you even came to those discipleship meetings. But we would sit across and work through that discipleship book with, with this new family. And look at here, 14 years later, they're still here and serving the Lord and, and so involved. Their girls are all getting older and raised up. And it is worth it. Helen Keller said, I am only one, but I am still one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. I will not refuse to do the something I can do. And we say, our uh, pastor says a lot around here, true love always labors. And the love for Jesus is what will keep us serving. I read a story, and um, it kind of fits with as we invest our time into people. And, you know, we've all been given time, and that's a gift from God. And we get to choose, though, how we're going to use our time. And, of course, you know, being a, a godly, loving spouse is a great way to use our time. Investing into our children, spending time with them, teaching them and training them, that is very important things we can do with our time. You know, no one matters more to me than my family. And then also investing into our, our church family and into our ladies is a very important investment in time. It had been some time since Jack had seen the old man. College, girls, career, and life itself got in the busy in the way. In fact, Jack moved clear across the country in pursuit of his dreams. There in the rush of his busy life, Jack had little time to think about the past and often no time to spend with his wife and son. He was working on his future, and nothing could stop him. Over the phone, his mother told him, Mr. Belzer died last night. The funeral is Wednesday. Memories flashed through his mind like an old newsreel as he sat quietly remembering his childhood days. Jack, did you hear me? Oh, sorry, Mom. Yes, I heard you. It's been so long since I thought of him. I'm sorry, but I honestly thought he died years ago, Jack said. Well, he didn't forget you. Every time I saw him, he'd ask how you were doing. He reminisces about the many days you spent over his side of the fence, as he put it, Mom told him. I love that old house he lived in, Jack said. You know, Jack, after your father died, Mr. Belzer stepped in to make sure you had a man's influence in her life, she said. Yeah, he's the one who taught me carpentry. I wouldn't be in this business if it weren't for him. He spent a lot of time teaching me things he thought were important. Mom, I'll be there for the funeral, Jack said. As busy as he was, he kept his word. Jack caught the next flight to his hometown. Mr. Belzer's funeral was small and uneventful. He had no children of his own, and most of his relatives had passed away. The night before he had to return home, Jack and his mom stopped by to see the old house next door one more time. Standing in the doorway, Jack paused for a moment. It was like crossing over into another dimension, a leap through space and time. The house was exactly as he remembered. Every step held memories, every picture, every piece of furniture. Jack stopped suddenly. 
What's wrong, Jack? His mom asked. The box is gone, he said. What box? Mom asked. There was a small gold box that he kept locked on top of his desk. I must have asked him a thousand times what was inside. All he'd ever tell me was, the thing I value most. It was gone. Everything about the house was exactly how Jack remembered it, except for the box. He figured someone from the Belzer family had taken it. Now I'll never know what was so valuable to him, Jack said. Well, I better get some sleep. I have an early flight home. It had been about two weeks since Mr. Belzer died. Returning home from work one day, Jack discovered a note in his mailbox. Signature is required on a package. No one at home. Please stop by the main post office within the next three days, the note read. Early the next day, Jack retrieved the package. The small box was old and looked like it had been mailed a hundred years ago. The handwriting was difficult to read, but the return address caught his attention. Mr. Harold Belzer, it read. Jack took the box out to his car and ripped open the package. There inside was the gold box and an envelope. Jack's hand shook as he read the note inside. Upon my death, please forward this box and its contents to Jack Bennett. It's the thing I valued most in my life. A small key was taped to the letter. His heart racing as tears were filling his eyes, Jack carefully unlocked the box. There inside, he found a beautiful gold pocket watch. Running his fingers slowly over the finely etched casing, he unlatched the cover. Inside, he found these words engraved, Jack. Thanks for your time, Harold Belzer. The thing he valued most was my time. Jack held the watch for a few minutes, then called his office and cleared his appointments for the next two days. Why, Janet, his assistant, asked. I need some time to spend with my son, he said. And oh, by the way, Janet, thanks for your time. You know, the ladies in our church just really do need some of our time. And I know we're all so busy, and sometimes I know personally you think, I just don't have time. You know, I have so many things that to me are so important or that I feel like I have to get done. But the Lord doesn't cross people across our paths on accident. It is for a purpose. And he will give us the time to, to spend and invest in them. And it's our choice to make whether we will take that time to invest in them. Thank you for listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on helping and mentoring new Christian ladies with Nicole Christensen.